But if you have your Bibles, if you would grab those, look with me to Hebrews chapter 12. So we're in the New Testament. Hebrews is kind of toward the back of the New Testament. This morning, we are concluding this series that we've been in for the past few weeks titled His Pain Air Gain, as we've been talking about what Christ endured for our benefit. And this morning, we want to specifically focus in on the gain. Today, we want to talk about all that Jesus has provided for us through the pain of the crucifixion and the triumph of the resurrection. You know, the crucifixion and resurrection are certainly events that happen at a specific time and date, but they have like ongoing effect or ongoing benefit for us today. So what is that benefit? What does that look like? You know, for every Christ father, we have the responsibility to live in the benefit, to live in the gain, to live in, to take advantage of all that Christ has provided for us. Now, certainly through Christ, we have salvation, right? We have forgiveness of sin. How many of you know that's a good thing? Are you with me? That's a good thing. But as I think of that, that's kind of like the starting place. That's the beginning point that opens us to a living, life-giving relationship with a God who loves us outrageously. But again, that's just the starting point. There's so much more that's been provided for us through Christ's death and his resurrection. There's gain and benefits that are ours to experience. Let's say, for example, this morning that you purchased an insurance policy. Are you with me? So just kind of think with me. You've purchased an insurance policy, and with that insurance policy, for it to become yours, you had to secure it through a payment, right? Are you tracking? We just say yes. You had to secure it. You had to pay for it. So now the insurance policy is yours. And here's the great news. With the insurance policy, there come some benefits. Like there's some things that are yours as a result of purchasing the insurance policy. However, if you never come to discover what the benefits are that you paid for, then you'll never take advantage of that which is rightly yours. Are you with me? So you secured it. It's yours. It's rightfully yours. But because you did not become informed or maybe you didn't take initiative, then what is rightfully yours never became that of your advantage to enjoy. In a similar fashion, oftentimes, I think for us as believers, uh, we can be saved and that we've received the provision of Jesus Christ, but yet not fully take advantage of all that Christ secured for us. It's, it's like this insurance policy, policy that's been paid that's been paid for the benefits are secured but the benefits are not being enjoyed or experienced because of a lack of understanding or 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 a lack of initiative so today really what I want to do with you is I want to talk with you about the benefit package like what was secured for us what is the more that God has for us through Christ's death in his resurrection and what I'm confident of today is because of what God is, is, because of what's revealed in God's word, is that the pain of the crucifixion and the triumph of the resurrection brings great, great, great gain to every person who puts their faith in Christ. We simply need to live in the gain. Turn to your neighbor and say, live in the gain. Go ahead, encourage them again. Live in the gain. That's what we want to do. We want to take advantage of what Christ has provided for us. What we don't want to do is leave something on the table. Are you familiar with that phrase, to leave something on the table? What does that mean? It means that you don't fully claim all that is rightfully yours. It was available to you, but you didn't take advantage of it. For example, 
I was doing some reading this past week, and I came across this interesting bit of information. It was reported by CBS News. But see, this is what CBS News says. It says, every year, $3 million in gift cards go unused. How many of you know the retailers are liking that, right? $3 million gift cards go unused. Someone wanted to bless someone with a benefit wanted to bless someone out of their kindness, so they purchased them a gift card, and for whatever reason, that which had been paid for, that which had been secured for them, was never used. So it was left, it was left on the table. And so what we don't wanna do is we don't wanna leave stuff on the table. We wanna fully take advantage of what Christ has for us. Listen, friends, Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave becomes our victory when we put our faith and trust in him. All that he has provided through his pain is now available to us. Again, we have a responsibility, though, to take advantage of that. We have a responsibility to embrace all that Christ has provided for us. Because of Jesus' love for us, this is what he did. He endured the pain of the cross. And the soldiers didn't take his life. Jesus willingly gave his life for your gain for my gain, for our benefit. He he endured great pain for our gain. The author of Hebrews captures this truth in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It's our text for the morning. It's on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. This is what the author of Hebrews wrote. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Notice this next line. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition, who endured such pain from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The scripture here in Hebrews begins with two directives. The first is don't get weighed down. Don't get restricted. Don't get entangled by the sin of the world, the stuff of the world. Don't allow it to limit or restrict you from fully embracing all that Christ has secured for you. The second directive is to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's kind of like if you were running in a race, you fix your eyes on the finish line. I I was just talking with someone in our church family who ran a marathon in Boston, and, you know, like, my first question is, is why? (laughs) Like, why would you do that? He's quite a competitor, But the motivation was his eyes were fixed on the finish line. Obviously, when he started the race, he couldn't see the end, but he was thinking about the end all the way through the race. He was was fixed on the finish line. In the same way, the author here tells us that we need to fix our eyes. We need to set our eyes on Jesus, that he would be the focus. Then this passage of Scripture in Hebrews goes on to make a statement that seems um, conflicting or, or maybe confusing. It says that Jesus endured the pain of the cross with joy. Now, as I think of 
The cross, there's a lot of words I would use to describe the cross, that I would use to describe the crucifixion process. Words like excruciating, torture, agonizing, painful. I certainly wouldn't use the word joy to describe the cross, to describe what Jesus experienced. Yet the scripture says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now, I believe that the pain of the cross was a place of joy for Jesus because of a few things. I think first, he knew that his death was not the end, it was just the beginning. In other words, it was not defeat, it was not final. What Jesus knew is that th three days later, he would, he would be raised to life, right? He told the disciples that a number of times, they couldn't get their minds around it, but Jesus knew that his death was not the end. It was actually gonna be the beginning how many of you know it has had positive effect on all of our lives? Would you agree with that? It, it was the beginning. I believe the pain of the cross was a place of joy for Jesus because he knew that humanity's greatest need would be met. And what's the greatest need of humanity today? It's not more money. It's not more resource. It's not more toys. It's not more stuff. The greatest need of humanity was we had a sin problem. We had... The sin problem that separated us from God. And we, we couldn't resolve the problem, right? We needed someone to step in on our behalf. And that's what Jesus did. He died for you. He bore the penalty of your sin that today you might be forgiven, right? And Jesus knew that humanity's greatest need would be met as he embraced, as he endured the pain of the cross. I also believe the pain of the cross was a place of joy for Jesus because he knew the gain, the gain it would bring for humanity. He knew that what he had to endure would be a game changer, would be a game changer and would open the way for people like us to live in and to live out the blessing and the benefit of being children of God. His pain was for our gain. So what's the gain that we have today? That's what we want to focus on. Four statements here I want to share with you really quick. What's the benefit package that's ours to take advantage of? So if you would today self-identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, then there's a benefit package, if you can think of it like that, that was secured for you through Jesus' death and his resurrection. I'm going to give you four of those. Obviously, there would be more, but I've narrowed it to four this morning for the sake of time. The first is this. We have a living hope in Christ. A living hope. We sang about it earlier. But through Christ's death and resurrection today, we live every day with hope. Listen to how Peter summarizes this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Peter says, praise be to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy. Notice what he's given us. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, full, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Turn to your neighbor today and say, hey, I've got a living hope. Go ahead and tell him. I've got a living hope through Jesus Christ. So what does hope mean? Hope means this, confident expectation. 
It's living in expectation of God's work on our behalf. It's living with confidence of God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. No matter what we face in life, we have confidence that God is good and somehow, some way, he's working for our good. That's living hope. Their hope is in God's faithfulness, in God's goodness. So as a believer, if you find yourself unemployed and you're seeking employment, you do that with confidence. Why? Because God is your provider. Listen, your employer is not your provider. God's the provider, right? And he happens to do it through whoever you work for. But as you are unemployed and you're seeking employment, you have this confident expectation. Why? Because you have this, you have this living hope. Or if you're sick and you go to the doctor and the prognosis is maybe not good, you receive the news and for some maybe they're depressed, for some maybe they're overwhelmed, but with you you're confident, you're confident, why? Because God's our healer. And we know that what Christ has provided for us through the cross brings his provision for our physical bodies. The scripture says, by his stripes we have been healed. So as we are walking through that time, but we have confidence, we have courage. Why? Because we have a, a living hope. Or if you come to a time where maybe you, there's the loss of a loved one. I know this past week we had two of our Grace family members who stepped into eternity. As I met with one of the families planning a celebration of life service for tomorrow, obviously there was great grief, there was great sorrow. But in the midst of the grief, there was hope. Why? Because we have a hope in Christ. And this is the hope we have. When your heart stops beating and your life ends here, you get to graduate to heaven. Right? We live. Listen, it's not the end. Death. For us as believers, death is not the end. What, what the grief for us is the separation, right? That we're temporarily separated from. And listen, the older I get, the faster life's going. You turn around twice and I'm going to get to be in heaven myself, Right? Like time moves really fast. So what do we grieve? We grieve separation. We don't grieve the end. Why? Because we have hope. We have a, we have a living hope. We no longer have to fear death, but we live with the promise of abundant life and eternal life. Why? Listen, we are in a win-win situation. Why? Because we have a living hope. Like we can't lose, right? We're in the win-win. I mean, the hope we have in Christ helps us navigate every difficulty and challenge of life with confidence. I'm in a hard place. I'm walking through a hard time, but I have confidence. Why? I have Jesus in me, and I have Jesus for me. I have a living hope. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who's going to be with me in the tomorrow, right? What is that? That's living hope. It's a living hope because Jesus Christ is alive and he's working for our good. So that's the benefit we have through Christ's death and resurrection. Not only do we have a living hope, but we also have this, a new identity in Christ. Listen to how Paul states this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you pray to prayer something like this, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Notice what Paul says here, that you have become a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 
Hey, when you made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is what, you, this is what happened. You, you had a makeover from the inside out. You laid down or you put aside your old identity and you received a new identity. You have a new identity in Christ. And receiving a new identity is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. In Jesus, we do not lose ourselves, but we become our true selves. We're now no longer defined by who we used to be, but we're defined by who God says we are. By what God's word says about who you are. That's who you are. Your new identity. According to God's word, this is who you are today. You're chosen. You're handpicked by the God who created the universe. I talked last week about how you've been accepted God wanted you to be a part of his family, and so you have been chosen. Not only are you chosen, but according to God's word, you're forgiven. Like all of the sin of the past, the present, and the future has been atoned for through Christ. So when God looks at you as a Christ follower, he doesn't see like the flaws, the mistakes, all of the mess-ups, what does he see? He sees that of the righteousness of Christ that's been, um, that's been given on your benefit. So who are you today? You, you, in your new identity, you are forgiven, so live forgiven. Not only are you forgiven, but you're loved beyond compare. God loves you because of his love for you, and not because of anything that you can do, that you can show, that you can give or become. I know that can be difficult to grasp, but, but God's incomparable, priceless love for you is constant because you belong to him. You're his child. That's your identity. What a great gain. We're no longer defined by who we were, but today we have a new identity in Christ. Oh, you want to live. You want to live in that identity. Not only do we have the gain of a new identity, but we also have unlimited power in Christ. Power without limits. Listen to how Ephesians 3.20 reads. It says, now to him who is able to do, get this, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. That's at work where? In us. Where's the power at work at? It's on the screen. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more time. Where's the power at work at within us there's two significant truths that we need to grab from this verse of scripture the first is this is that christ has the ability to do immeasurably more than we can even comprehend more than we can get our minds around more than our brains can even begin to understand christ can do more Second truth that's really important that you grasp here is that it's the power of Christ that's at work within us and through us. The very power that Jesus operated in, being the power of the Holy Spirit, is available to us as Christ followers today. In our humanity, we're limited, right? Right? I mean, you have, you have limits. I have Within our humanity... We're limited, but through the power of Christ in us, all things become possible. All things. 
Why? Because of the power of the risen Christ in us. We see an illustration of this in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to, temp- on their way to the temple for prayer. And as they're on their way to the temple, they're uh, encountered by a man who's lame. And he's begging because that's how he made his living. And so as Peter and John comes, he asks them for goods, for money. And Peter looks at him and says something pretty profound. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of what I do have, Jesus, rise and walk. You read the story, Acts chapter 3, all of a sudden, muscles are energized, ligaments come to life. Man jumps to his feet, starts running, leaping, dancing. Instantly, strength was restored. Now, Peter didn't heal the man, right? It was Jesus through Peter that made a lame man walk. And that the very power that Peter operated in is what Jesus is talking about. Available to us. And we have this unlimited power in Christ. And the gain for us is that Jesus wants to manifest this his kingdom power in us and through us. That's not just on Sunday mornings. He could do it on Sunday mornings if he wants. In fact, the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays, as you're in the marketplace, as you're in your workplace, as you're in your school, what do you have? You have the unlimited power of Christ resident in you. It's part of the game. That's why when opportunity opens the way, we should step into the opportunity. You have an opportunity to pray for someone, you should pray for them. Listen, it's not because you're so great, it's because the God who's in you is great, right? It's not because you have great ability, it's because of the God who's in you has unlimited power. And who knows, he may want to manifest his kingdom power through your life in that moment to like totally change someone's life, like happened in Acts chapter 3. So what's the gain? The gain is this. We have, we have this unlimited power. So lastly, because of Jesus' pain, the gain for us is that we have delegated authority in Christ. Delegated authority. Listen to how the Apostle Paul states what Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection. It's recorded in Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 15. It's on the screen. It says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, notice God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He is taking it away, nailing it to the cross. Notice this next line, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. What did Christ do? He disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross or through the cross. So notice Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. In other words, he took their power. You know, the Son of God was as you know, brutally executed. Evil had won, or, or so it seemed. There were three long days of silence, and from, the, and from the heavens it seemed to confirm this victory, but Satan had miscalculated this one point, and it was the resurrection. It was that Jesus would get up from the grave. 
The cross was really the setup for God's ultimate victory over Satan by raising Jesus from the dead. And the accomplishment of the cross today through the resurrection of Jesus determined the ultimate outcome of spiritual warfare. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, victory was secured. In light of his resurrection, each one of us as believers today can have victory over an enemy who's seeking to intimidate, deceive, and destroy. See, as believers, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. And what Christ has secured for us. Jesus defeated Satan through his death and resurrection. And today, what does that mean? It means that we have authority over Satan through Christ. John says it like this in 1 John 4, 4. He says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Let me say that again. The one who's in you being Christ, the Christ that's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Can I get an amen on that? So what do we have? We have a delegated authority in Christ. And because of the authority you have in Christ, when Satan comes to oppress you, listen, you don't have to bow to the oppression. You can confront the oppression through the power of Christ. When Satan comes to tempt you, you can take that thought or that temptation captive in the authority of Christ rather than being wrecked by the temptation. When Satan comes with condemnation and guilt about your past, you can remind him of his future because of the authority you have in Christ. Jesus Jesus is our victory, folks. We simply need to operate in the authority we have over a defeated enemy. So confidently engage in spiritual warfare. Knowing what? That Christ has given you delegated authority. What Christ has provided is yours to live in and live out. I can't overemphasize this truth. Christ's victory is their victory. His gain today is our gain. But every Christian, every Christ follower has a responsibility to fully live in and live out all that Christ has provided. You know, going back to the gift cards that I mentioned earlier, if I were to give you today a $100 gift card, let's say to Lowe's or Longhorn Steakhouse, if I were to give you a gift card, it, it would be yours. It's in your possession. I, I secured it for you. I paid for it because I wanted to bless you. I just wanted to be generous. So I give you a $100 gift card. Now, if you take that gift card home and you just stick it in a drawer and forget about it and never take advantage of it and never use it, listen, it's been paid for, right? I didn't steal it. Honest. I paid for it. Why? Because I wanted to bless you. I wanted to give you something. But if you take it home and you stick it in the drawer and you forget about it and you never take advantage of it, you miss the blessing, right? You miss the benefit. You miss what you could have enjoyed. You miss what you could have taken advantage of. Hear me, friends. Don't do that in your relationship with Christ. Here's my challenge to you today. It's really simple. Live in the game. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, live in the game. 
what we, every day, every day we want to fully live in and live out all that Christ has provided for us. His pain for your gain. Would you pray with me, Lord? I, I thank you today. God, as I think of the wonder of the cross and all that you provided, God, I, I'm so humbled and I feel so blessed, Lord, even to get to tell the story today of what you endured and that we might live victorious. And Lord, how your victory has now become our victory. Lord, as revealed in the truth of your word. So Lord, first we just say thanks. Thanks, Jesus, for going to the cross. Thanks for all that you endured. That we might have living hope today. That we might have new identity today. That we might have unlimited power today through you. That we might have and live in, live out delegated authority through you. Or my prayer today, not only for myself, but for all of my friends here physically, for all of my friends watching online, Holy Spirit, help us to fully embrace and take advantage of what's right, rightfully ours. Lord, may we not, so to speak, just put it in a drawer and forget about it. The Holy Spirit, help us in the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays of our lives to live in the gain and to confidently embrace the fullness of all that you've provided for us through your death and resurrection. Help us to live in the more of who you are and what you've provided.